Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Thank you for joining us again here at Life Church in Ladner. We are in week 10 of our series called Wake Up the House, and we are currently waking up all the husbands in the home. Now, husbands, it's time to cross the Rubicon. Now, I know many of you don't know what that means, so please allow me to explain it. Um, The year is 49 BC, and it was a Saturday near Rimini in northern Italy. The river, the Rubicon. And the history of the whole world hung in balance on that Saturday in January. The man standing at the edge, Julius Caesar, with his 13th legion, Caesar had conquered the modern-day France, and Julius, um, he was a man of power. Now, jealous of his success and scared because he was so popular, his arch-rival Pompey and the Roman Senate, they ordered Julius Caesar to to disband his legion, And they told him, Julius, it's time to come home. Send your soldiers home and come home to Rome. But they did it because they were scared. Now Caesar, with his troops, you can just picture this, stood on the banks of the Rubicon. Roman law strictly forbade any commander to lead a standing army across that stream. If Caesar crossed that stream with his legion, it was an act of treason, which means both him and his men They will become outlaws and they would be hunted down and they would be executed. So it's big decision time. And it is said that Caesar paused for only a moment. And then he made his decision crying, the die is cast. And he plunged his chariot across the river and he led his men to Rome. They seized control of the government and the rest is history. See, since that day, To cross the Rubicon means to make a huge decision that affects all of life. A decision from which there is basically no return. It's the point of no return. There is no going back. And we see many examples of this also in the Bible. We see Joshua cross the Rubicon in his life. In his speech at Shechem, he recounted God's mercies of Israel. And then he ended this passionate appeal, this speech to the nation. And he says to them, choose once and for all who you are going to serve. He says, you have wavered off and on and off and on long enough. But now, today, right here, once and for all, decide whom you will serve. His own decision, he announced boldly. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And like Joshua, each person has to make that personal decision also. As for me, I will serve the Lord. That's my declaration. As for me, I will serve the Lord. This Rubicon, every husband ought to cross also. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So so Joshua What I love about him is without waiting to see by a show of hands, okay, how many in the crowd are going to to do this with me? Joshua declared his personal commitment to God. I will serve the Lord. He stated his decision and said that if you choose differently, it will not change my decision. As for me and my house, 
We will serve the Lord. It doesn't matter if the rest of you don't follow me or follow my decision. It doesn't matter what the world says or what culture is telling us or what culture is doing. It doesn't matter how other husbands treat their wives. It doesn't matter how other friends look at their marriages or talk about their wives. It doesn't matter how other parents parent their children. My home, me, I will serve the Lord. Many husbands don't understand what serve is. Many husbands commit themselves to believe things about God. Yes, I believe God is out there and is powerful. Some of those believe um, even to the point where they trust in God. They will pray to God. But very few husbands commit to serving God. See, serve Serve is a decision that you keep making over and over again. The initial decision is followed by hundreds of small choices every single day of your life to do things God's way. Now, men, husbands, if you are listening, how about you? Have you decided to know about him? Maybe even believe in him? Or have you decided as a man to serve him? That means, as for me and my house, we will do things God's way. I will be a husband the way that God speaks about a husband in his word. So today, we will continue on to focus on the role of the husband God's way. Serving God by being the husband he has called us to be to our wives. Not what the world says, but what God says. Now, what, what you will hear today, it might be different than the home that you grew up in. It might be different than the home that you are currently leading, which means you might have to bring some change in your home and in your conduct and in your ways. It might be different than the person that you are sitting next to. It probably is. Because they grew up in a different home than you. They experienced things differently than you. And it will be different, but never let your sociology control your theology. Never let society control how your kingdom home is to function. Society is not what we depend upon. It's God's word. So what does the word say about a kingdom husband? What does it mean to be a kingdom husband? Now, now some of you will not know at all. And I can't change your upbringing um, or the examples from the past that you might have had that brought you to where you are right now. But what I do want to say is I know that if you start today, it doesn't matter where you've been. If you start today and you start applying God's principles, your home can be a kingdom home. We are all working on it, man. I want you to hear me. There is no finish line in this. We are all working on ourselves as husbands and as men. And we are working on our homes and the way that we are leading them. And, and we will never stop working on it. Now, let's start with understanding husband first. The word husband, if you are studying the roles in the family, when you look at the word husband itself, it is very revealing because as the husband goes, the family goes. The husband is made up of two words that are put together, house and bond. A husband is one that bonds the home together. If you are the husband, your job is like glue. You are responsible for gluing the family together. You are the house bond. 
That's why we call you father. Um, It's from the Hebrew word Abba, which means to source and to sustain. My source and the one who sustains. Not just the source. You have got to sustain what you sourced. Husbands, your job is not just to um, source your home. Your job is to sustain your home also, which means you have to feed those in your home. You have to clothe and protect. You have to provide. You have to comfort. You have to love. And everything that you've put together in your home, you have to sustain. The house should be bonded together by you, the husband. You should not be the one that brings separation and isolation. You should be the glue. Men, husbands, you have the greatest responsibility in life. The management of the home. That is your job. That is the greatest responsibility that we can have as men. Management of the home is the greatest test of a man's leadership. So men, you are to manage your home. And in many homes, this role of being the manager of the home, it's been taken over by wives because men have stepped out of their position. So we need God's blueprint for marriage and the roles in marriage. But but not just to have his blueprints, we need to follow his blueprints, meaning Serving God. I'm going to do things your way, God. I've got your plan. Now I'm going to apply your plan. Men, we are to manage our homes. What else does God's blueprint tell us to do? I know some men feel um, that they can't serve their homes because of the wife that they have. A lot of men feel that they married the wrong woman. If it wasn't for her in my life, I would be way further ahead. I would be better. I would be stronger. I would be positioned better. I would be happier. Adam used the same excuse, used the same words. He said to God, this woman that you gave me, God, God, it's your fault. You brought her to me. So so what men often do is they seek to get out of their relationship because of the wife is so bad. When the problem actually is, the wife is simply responding and following your leadership. The misery that you are living with men in your wife, as you would say, is the same misery that God is living with with you as the husband. Because you are out of order, she is out of order. So if there's a fault in the home, husbands, it starts with you. When the male follows God, it's much more likely that the whole family will follow God also. But if he is out of alignment, they are following you who are out of alignment, which means everyone in the home will be out of alignment. Uh, The Bible says in Ephesians 5.23, it says, For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He says the man is the head of the woman. We spoke about this briefly. This brings us back to our question, what does it mean to be the head? Now, in the Bible, headship means governing authority. To to understand this, the understanding in the Bible to be the head means that you are the one, you are the one responsible. So, So if you are a man, you are the head, And you have the responsibility in what? In leading your family 
to follow God and to advance his kingdom. Husbands, listen to me. Men who's planning to get married one day, please hear me. When you get married, when you become a husband, you have responsibility. And husbands, your responsibility is leading your family to follow God and advance God's kingdom. You are responsible for that. You are responsible for that and not by force, but by example. This is what you have been given the responsibility to do. Now remember, husbands, Husband is not just a title. Husband is a position of responsibility and accountability. So we will be held accountable for this. So we are responsible to provide husbands, to protect, to govern, to lead. And all of that responsibility that you've been given, all of this, these things that you have to do is part of headship. You are responsible for leading them God's way. Are you a kingdom husband? The question, if you are a kingdom husband, how does headship work, especially as it relates to marriage? You are married now, so what does it mean to be the head? Answer, here is how headship should be exercised in your home. You are to exercise the responsibility of headship, being the head of the home, only and always in context of love. Husbands, Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for love. You are to exercise your headship always and only in love. Now, love, allow me to, to give you the biblical definition of love because I, do, I, I think, I know, many of us don't know what love means biblically. Love means the following. Passionately, righteously, and sacrificially pursuing the well-being of another. I'm going to say it again. Love means passionately, righteously, and sacrificially pursuing the well-being of others. Jesus displayed his love for us. Now, Jesus displaying his love for us, it wasn't always easy. It's not always easy. We see Jesus in the garden and he's busy praying and before he goes to the cross and he prays the following. He said, Father, if it is possible, let this cup, which means I'm going to sacrifice my love. I'm going to die for my bride. Let this pass me by. This is going to be hard. But if it is possible, let it pass me by. I hear many of you saying, if it is possible, Father, get me out of this. But I want you to notice what Jesus did. Jesus wasn't at all... Um, all that excited about going to the cross or about dying. But what took Jesus to the cross on Friday, that's key for us. What took him to the cross on Friday was he didn't lose sight of what was going to happen on Sunday. He says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He saw something bigger than what was going on right there. And husbands, when, when we see the way we live our lives with our wives and, and how we're trying to love our wives, I know for many of you, it feels like you are in absolute torture. But I want you to know, change can happen in your lives and in your homes and in your marriage for better. 
when you are willing to do things God's way, yes, you might go through some changes and pain and, and there might be some healing that needs to take place. But when you have the end goal in mind of having a kingdom home, of having one home that you build together, the struggle and the sacrifices and the opportunities that's going to come across your path, it is worth it. When you know that the struggle and the sacrifices has the opportunity to deliver your home and your marriage, all of the sudden, this big job that's in front of you, this big um, mountain that you have to conquer, you are able to do it because you know God's plans for you are good and he wants you to have a kingdom home. Now, I want to challenge you. Don't just settle for being a male in a marriage. Don't just settle for being a regular husband because you've been called to be a kingdom husband. You might think, Andreas, we can change things in our home. You don't understand. We've been living this way for years. We've been married for 18 years. We've been married for 30 years, seven years, one year. Yes, you can. We have drifted so far apart, Andreas. Do you know how far we are, man? Do you know how, how our lives are being lived separately from each other? I don't know if we can cross back over again. You can. Do you know how far man was removed from God because of sin? And yet he redeemed us. If both of you want to have a kingdom home, it's never too late. It's never too late to start building one. Now let's talk, husbands. We have to talk about loving your wife. Paul says, love your wife just as Christ loved the church. Now, the word love is used in a lot of different ways and is used very casual at times. You may say, I love my job. Oh, I love chocolate. I love chocolate cake. I love my car. We use it in our movement every single day. It's kind of part of our flow because there's a general sense of the concept. But the way the word love is used today really is not the kind of... Um, understanding that God would have us have about the meaning of love and the relationships as it relates to our wives. How love is supposed to relate to my wife. It is important to understand because to love is a command that is uniquely given to husbands. There is no Bible verse that I can find in the Bible, where it commands the wife to love her husband. None. Wives are told and instructed to do something. They are. It says, wives, respect your husbands. Now, th this is not a mistake. That is recognizing some unique attributes that belong to men and women that are different. But the man is commanded over and over again to love. A wife's greatest need is for love and a husband's greatest need is for respect. So let's try to understand this. Now, in the New Testament, there are different words that we have for love. The words were specific in nature. They, they would differentiate in meaning um, for love so that people knew exactly what was being communicated and what they were trying to say. So, so love you and love a hot dog with different words. We do not use those words today because most of us don't speak Greek. We just say love. 
Now let's use the Bible's meaning for love and let's try and understand what the instruction is that God gave us when he said, husband, love your wives. The first word of love, which most of us know and would recognize is the word eros in Greek. It means romantic, passionate love. So eros was connected to sexuality, uh, a passionate lust love. So, so when a guy said to, to you in those days, I eros you, you knew exactly what he was saying. He was saying, I want you sexually. No confusion about what I'm looking for. So the Greeks wanted to express their love. They would use the word love, but in a distinct form. The, the form was, the word was eros, lust. I desire you sexually, let's go. Now, when you think about it, that would be very helpful for you ladies to know what the guy is after. The second most common used word in the Greek is the word phileo, which means affectionate love. This is like a friendship kind of love. Um, and this is not tied to sexual fulfillment, but it has at its core the same foundation. Selfishness. It's about me. See, in phileo, uh, it was a response based on how they treat me and how I treat you. Uh, they were friends. If they treated each other right, they phileo. They were in friendship. But the moment they stopped treating me right, I stopped phileo you. Now, there are a few more words in the Bible, less used, but the one that I want to focus on in regards to love, which we have to understand, that will help us to, to understand our role as, as husbands, it is the word that expresses God's love towards us. It defines love from God's perspective. And the word is agape or agape, depends on how you want to say it. So before we talk about loving your wife, we have to know what it means because it can mean different things to different people. So, so agape is very unique. It's unlike the other eight words for love that they have in Greek. It's unlike eros and phileo. Agape has nothing to do with what the person is doing. The word has to do with taking the initiative to act on someone else's behalf, even at your own expense. Even if it costs you, I'm going to act on your behalf. Now follow that. Agape is acting on someone else's behalf for the betterment of another without any necessary demand or expectation for anything from them in return. I'm going to do something to you and it's not based on how you respond. So he says, husbands, agape your wives. Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for. Husbands, agape your wives. Not husbands, eros your wives, looking at them as a sexual object. Not husbands, phileo your wives, defining them as a friend. Husbands, agape your, your wife. Now, some of you are good friends, phileo with your wife. You chat, you get along, uh, you live your lives together, but there is no agape from the husband. Some of you are really good sex partners, but there is no agape. See, we would use the word love and we would cover all three of those things. When we say, I love my wife, 
But that is not what the Bible instructs the, the men to be for their wives. He says, when you look at your wife, you are to agape her. Now, now listen to me, men. He says, love her without expecting anything in return. How many of you can say, yeah, I've signed up for that? How many of you can say the day you got married, you signed up for, I will love you and I'm not expecting anything in return back from you. That's me, sign me up. Yes, I do. But that is the love that God is calling us to. That is love. In love them in such a way that your goal is to meet their need, regardless of what you receive in return. Right there, that should change a lot of homes. Because many of the problems that we have with our wives are tied to the fact they do not want to return our eros, our, our passion, our love. Uh, our lust, or our phileo, our friendship. I just wanted to be so close to me. And she's not returning it. So now we're splitting up. Some men will say, she just doesn't do it for me anymore. Meaning sexually. Well, that's okay. If that's the case, because that was not the instruction. Some husbands will say, we just don't get along anymore. We have drifted apart. Well, that's okay. Because that's phileo. You weren't instructed to phileo. You weren't instructed to, uh, to, to eros. You were instructed to agape. So your love feelings could have changed over years, for sure. It could have changed. It could be better. It could be that maybe either your sex or your friendship that pulled you together initially is no longer driving your relationship. That's okay. Your marriage can still be a kingdom marriage if you choose to be a kingdom husband. See, the big idea when the Bible says love your wives has nothing to do with their sexual response and has nothing to do with their friendship response. In Romans 5, 8, it says the following, but God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrated his love for his bride by dying for her while I was still separated from him. God shows his love while we were sinners. Now, I hope you get this. Do you know how much God hates sin? It's like asking a Canuck supporter during the 2011 Stanley Cup finals how they feel about the Boston Bruins, especially after we lost game seven. God hates sin even more than that. Even more than Canuck fans hate Bruin fans. The Bible says in the Old Testament that God is angry with the wicked every day. So he looked and saw our sins and God saw our evil actions and he was aware of our rebellion against him and our wrong choices and he's aware of our wrong lifestyles and he saw our evil in the days and our evil desires he saw all our ugly stuff and he saw it all but but he said I will demonstrate my love towards you even though I can see even though I can't stand what you are doing how you are acting, who you are worshiping, what you are idolizing, how you treat others, your sins, big and small. All of your actions and your conduct is running away from me. Your decisions that you are making is moving you further and further away from me. But beside all of that, I will die for you. That is biblical agape. 
That's why you can love people who you don't necessarily like at this time. Because like is phileo. But love, husbands, is agape. That's why Jesus can say, agape, your enemies. Another one that might be relevant to your marriage like now. It feels like she's your enemy. She might feel like she's against you. God says, agape her. Nobody likes their enemies or anybody who's against them, who wants to destroy them. Someone who it feels like they're out to, to get you down. They don't want to support what you're doing. But God says, you don't have to like them. Just love them because love, agape, has nothing to do with what you get in return. Many in this world will reject Jesus Christ. But that did not stop him from dying for them anyway. He died for the whole world. Husbands, please hear me. Even if she rejects you, even if she rejects your love, your protection, your sanctification, your leadership, everything that you provide. If you die to yourself, I know that you can have a kingdom marriage. Your home will be a kingdom home because as the husband leads, so the home follows. As the husband, as you are aligned under God and doing things his way, I know your home will follow. Biblical love is always identifiable by action. If I say I love God, but I don't keep his instructions, that's a lie. Love is always measured in action. If I had to ask your wife, do you love her? The question is measured in terms of agape, by what you do, by what you show. If you say to me, I tell her I love her every time I see her, that is a meaningless statement for agape because agape is not concerned with your vocabulary. Agape is concerned only and always with your actions. Phileo is emotional. Eros is definitely emotional. But agape is demonstrable. You have to demonstrate it. Husbands, you are the only one that can make that decision to love your wives. Nobody can make it for you. I choose to be a kingdom husband for my wife, which means I'm saying, God, I will work on every area of my life. There's nothing that, that you don't have access to. God, I, I, I will bring change in every area of my life. I want to set my children and my children's children up to have kingdom homes. So, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church by laying down his life for her. Do it, man. I challenge you. I dare you to change your marriage, to change your home, to be a kingdom husband. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you that in Jesus Christ, we have the perfect example of what love is. That Jesus, you died for us when we were still messed up. We still messed up now and you still love us unconditionally. You died for us when, when we were walking in the opposite direction. But Father, you made a way for us to be returned, to be restored back into relationship with you.
And the way was with the sacrifice of your son. So, Father, I want to pray today for the, those homes where it, where it feels like they are going in opposite directions. You've shown us the example on how to bring restoration to our homes. Father, I pray that we will take and learn from you. I pray that the husbands today that are listening to this message, I pray that they will cross the Rubicon and that they will declare, as for me in my house, as for me personally, I will serve the Lord. I will do things your way. I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. Amen. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.